Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week we're discussing the work of Innovate UK and my guest is Paul Mason, Director of Innovation Policy at Innovate UK. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Gavin, thank you. It's my great pleasure to be here. So Innovate UK is the UK's innovation agency. What does that mean in practice and why does a country like the UK need an innovation agency anyway? Innovation is inherently difficult and it's really important for countries that they have a prospering private business sector uh, within those countries because of the jobs that they create, because of the taxes that they pay, that because of the taxes their employees pay and because of their contribution to the well-being of people in those countries. It's important for people to have jobs, for example. And sometimes companies can't do things on their own. Often they can, sometimes they can't. And in areas where things wouldn't happen otherwise, government is keen to act. And the point about an innovation agency is that it's an independent body, independent of government, uh, staffed by people who understand about business, um, who can act on behalf of the public uh, by identifying opportunities and helping accelerate them uh, and uh, helping companies to grow and, and enhancing economic growth. And most developed countries around the world have identified the same problem space. It's difficult for companies to grow or for sectors to grow. And they also have innovation agencies. So this arm's length body thing is a is a quite well tested uh, solution to that problem. So you mentioned it's difficult, which is why government's involved. So set out for me, what are some of the sort of the current challenges for business to innovate and to grow in the UK? Well, I think. I would say it's difficult for businesses to innovate and to grow anywhere in the world. And I think the UK is actually probably a relatively easy place to innovate and grow in compared to some some countries. So so it's a good place to do innovation here. But it's always difficult. So innovation is doing something differently. It's doing things you haven't done before in the pursuit of serving customers, serving a market, uh, growing your organization, supporting your employees better, contributing to the society in which you sit. And if you haven't done something before, of course, you're learning as you go and you're experimenting and you're trying things out. And it's really important for companies to have the opportunity to do that. And sometimes they can't do it because it's too expensive for them to try those new things. Sometimes they can't do it because they can't find people with the expertise or the knowledge of those particular markets or those areas of technology. Sometimes they can't do it because it isn't clear what the regulation might be. Sometimes they can't do it because nobody in the world really understands how to use that technology in that application. That would be the case with many emerging technologies. Sometimes they can't do it because they don't know who their customers are or they don't know what the price point would have to be to be competitive with other other solutions in the marketplace. So different solutions to the same problem. So there's a myriad of, uh, uh, of challenges that companies face as they try to innovate. And most of them companies should solve themselves. But there are areas where at the level of entire sectors, uh, a slightly more holistic view helps. Um, and that's the kind of thing that we spend our time uh, focusing on and, and helping companies to, to move forward. So let's then look at what you do within Innovate UK. You've set out this context of the situation for companies. How does that translate into the priority themes for Innovate UK over the coming few years? So effectively, we uh, our strategy is uh, is informed by two things. First of all, is what is the trajectory of global markets? So what are people who live 
on this planet going to need in the 10, 20, 30 year time horizon? So where is the demand going to be? And then what are the solutions to those problems? A technology is a very good solution provider. It fixes problems for us if you apply it correctly. So what's the trajectory of technology and what problems is it going to solve in the future? Maybe problems we don't know we've got, maybe opportunities that we that, that, that you know we aren't aware of. And so we work really by by the supply side. What what are people going to need? What are the markets going to be? And then what are the, the that's the demand side? Sorry. And then the supply side is what can technology offer in the context of those? And then we build programs around the biggest opportunities where a third criteria is met, which is that it's something to do with us. So something that wouldn't fix itself unless we intervene. I wanted to ask you about scale up because you sometimes hear a narrative that scale up is easier in places such as the United States and that UK businesses can get to a certain size and then to expand further, they need to leave the UK. And I'm I'm wondering, firstly, how true is that narrative? Uh, And secondly, what are the key things that the UK needs to do to sort of support scale up? I I don't think that narrative is entirely true. There are examples where people have, have, have left the UK, but it's often not the case that companies leave the UK. It's often the case that they get inward investment from overseas investors. Um, and we've seen that in a number of, of our cases. And, and that can actually be a very, very good thing. So a nice example, for example, is Jaguar Land Rover have done increasingly well since they had inward investment from Tata uh, over what they were able to, to, um, to support from their own resources. But they're still very much in the UK and still, and still doing, doing very well. I think in order to scale up, companies need access to well, they need access to customers. So sometimes people uh, go to territories where their customers are. That doesn't mean leaving the UK, always. It might mean setting up satellite operations. So customers is really important. The capital that they need for growth, usually private investment, is incredibly important. And there is a lot of capital available in the United States. Uh, and so people often track that down and it can often help them to grow, including in the in the UK. And then the third thing that companies probably need is the capability within their management teams to grow their companies. And all of those things are coupled because if you don't have a good management team, investors won't invest in you. And so quite often they, we come across companies where they think that there's no money available. In fact, what they lack is the capability within their own management teams to show that they could deploy the available capital adequately well to get a return for investors. So it's not a simple picture. And the situation in the UK is not as bad as we sometimes would let ourselves believe. But but scaling companies is, is, not, is not an easy thing to do. And so, um, so that's why we're so focused on helping companies to do it. So thinking of that challenge and the, the other business challenges, um, what are the key levers that government has? Uh, what more does government need to do and how can it pull those levers to have the best effect? So there are a number of things that governments can do. They can act as a buyer, they can act as a seller, they can act as a regulator or legislator, they can do fiscal measures and they can subsidise and then they can support third party actors like ourselves or academia. As a buyer, they would be a purchaser of something. So, for example, the government funds the drugs procurement from the, for the through the NHS, for example. Uh, so in that case, they're, and they're helping companies because they're buying from them. They could be a seller, for example, the spectrum, which is sold by the government to the communications companies. They can legislate. So what is the framework uh, within which a company operates? It could be a health and safety legislation. 
They can do fiscal measures. So, for example, the fact that you pay different tax for your car, depending on how much CO2 it emits, uh, is a way of trying to stimulate the market driving uh, towards greener vehicles. And they can subsidise activities that would operate things at a discount, for example, giving people a, a discount and subsidy for installing insulation in their homes. So those are all the sorts of things that government can do that change markets and can, if they do it in the right way, it can stimulate the growth of companies, ideally in the context of those products and services being exportable, so part of part of global trade. So, yeah, it's a, a number of things and uh, the, the, the right thing to do varies from market to market and from technology to technology. So it's, it's quite a complex answer. Uh, I think the single biggest thing is procurement because a grant is lovely for companies and very helpful. But what most companies want is customers and where government can be a lead adopter, it can be terrifically powerful in in terms of that then being an exportable product you go you go to a country somewhere else in the world and say that your own government is buying it it gives public procurers in those countries confidence because you know if it's being bought by the uk government it has a it gives it a kind of credibility um so those things are very very important and and government's very very conscious of this you know and 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 there are moves afoot to try and improve things including through crown commercial procurement that we crown commercial services that we work with what you've described is quite a complicated and complex landscape and the different government levers actually sit within different parts of government um, some in central government some in agencies like innovate uk and and so on how does the government and its agencies sort of make sure that uh, it's understanding enough and pulling levers in a, in a consistent and coherent way yeah well i think getting a sense of the architecture and people knowing what their roles within that architecture are is incredibly important and clarity on that uh, i mean our own role for example is it, we we are very clear we're not a government department so we don't own the problem of healthcare provision or the defence of the realm, you know, that's owned by Department for Health and Social Care or by um, Department um, Ministry of Defence. Our role is to make sure that when the solutions are come for, they come from UK based companies. And so we're very clear on what our role is. And I think that clarity of role is really important for all parts of of, of government and all parts of the of the public sector machine. And then you can come together and kind of go, well, our bit of the jigsaw puzzle is this. So a government department might, for example, want to be able to purchase something that isn't available. We can help companies to make it available. A nice example would be low energy lighting in buildings. So there was a time, for example, before LED lighting was as widespread as it is now, where DEFRA, who are kind of our primary body for carbon emissions nationally, wanted to see greener lights available for buildings, commercial buildings, and domestic buildings. There was a kind of gap in the market between the capacity from LED technology on the supply side and the demand side from architects and retrofitters. And, to, 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 and so we ran competitions and programmes supported with DEFRA uh, under SBRI, where they funded the development of those low energy light bulbs, not because DEFRA wanted to buy them, but they wanted them to be available to the marketplace. And that's a really great example of of, of how a government is changing the marketplace and supporting the, making something available with a policy objective in mind, i.e. reducing carbon emissions, but also a growth agenda in mind to help UK companies develop those products and services. And there are lots of examples where that kind of thing can happen, but we could do much more, I think. 
Well, let me take you into another area of public policy, which has been very wide, uh, widely discussed over the last few years, which is levelling up. And I know that uh, UKRI is clearly a UK-wide uh, agency and the Innovate UK is a UK-wide agency. To what extent do you take into account regional issues, local issues, levelling up within the work that you do? Oh, it's, it's hugely important for us. Everything happens somewhere. What we need to try and do is to make sure that the places that where it happens in the UK are globally competitive with other other similar locations around the world so that companies based in those places across the UK are able to compete internationally uh, and supply internationally into global markets. And what that means is it's really important to understand where the capability is across the UK, where the clusters of strength are, and to work with local leaders, whether they're in it's one of the devolved administrations, so Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, or one of the combined mayoral authorities or um, other jurisdiction, to say, well, where are the strengths in those areas? How can we make sure that they are functioning as well as they can? Are there gaps that need to be filled? So they've got 90% of what they need. There's just 10% that needs to be uh, to be put in place. And then coupling those into national programs that, that are our route to international activity. So we spend a lot of time doing that and thinking uh, about those activities. And then of course we fund the most compelling projects from across the UK. So so as a result of all that work, which is seeding work, putting infrastructure in place, making sure that the best people are in a position to come forward with their ideas, uh, we then support the ones. And, and, and what actually happens is that the success rates for businesses from across the UK are broadly comparable across the whole of the UK. So as a percentage of the number of company bids that we get from, say, Scotland or Wales or any of the regions of the UK, the percentage success is about the same. The very good people come to the top. In fact, some very good people can't fund because we run out of money, but that's not because the quality isn't there. No, really interesting. The other area I wanted to ask you about, because it's such a major challenge as the UK rebuilds the economy, is, is sort of transforming the UK to a net zero economy. And it's going to be such a big part of the national challenge over the next 20 years. And how is Innovate UK involved in all of that? Yeah, we've been involved in that from the beginning when we started in 2007 with Technology Strategy Board. So we're investing in energy generation and supply. So how do you create the energy or the heat that you need in a way that is green? And for example, I mean, the success story in offshore, offshore renewable, offshore wind, for example, that is now the cheapest at scale energy source available in the UK. And that's 10 years earlier than we thought would be possible when we first started looking at it in 2007, 2008. And uh, the UK is an absolute leading country in that territory. So that's a terrific success story. But that that success needs to apply across manufacturing, across transport, across across heat, across agriculture. And nearly 20 percent of our greenhouse gas emissions come from the, either agriculture or the food supply chain. So there's no single silver bullet. We just have to look at all the big sources of emissions and then do what we can to drive them down. So electrification of transport is incredibly important, so long as you can get the electricity in a green way, which is where nuclear and the gen more general balance comes in. Um, and then not wasting food, thinking about precision agriculture so that you don't waste input resources. So don't waste fertilizer by putting more on than you need or putting it in places in fields where it isn't required. Um, those kinds of things are all in, 
all going to be incredibly important and they're important globally. So if we can crack some of those problems, they are exportable uh, to countries where, you know, perhaps they are, you know, they are ahead of the game in some of those areas or we should import them if we haven't quite got there ourselves yet. So it's very important that we do that. Well, you've talked about a whole range of different things, um, but I wanted to, you know, Innovate UK is a big organisation. It's been around for a while. How do you measure success? What does good look like for Innovate UK? Um, do, do you know if you're doing a good job? How do you compare? Yeah, well, effectively, our job is to help the growth of companies and sectors. And so the bottom line impact assessment for us is, our companies growing through our support uh, and our sectors growing through our support. And I think we've got very good evidence that, th that that is the case. So we've supported something like 10 or 12,000 in unique companies, actually, actually about 15,000, I think, unique companies over our 16 year history. Uh, between them, they've contributed more than 50 billion in gross value add to the UK economy and they have created more than 100,000 new jobs as a result of, of what they're doing. Um, and we've got some sectors in the UK that are doing terrifically well uh, in, in regenerative medicines, for example, cell and gene therapies, something like um, a third of all clinical trials in Europe are being done in the UK, and 12% of all clinical trials globally are being done in the UK, which considering we're 1% of the world's population, is pretty impressive. And we've been investing in that technology area for, for a decade. And similarly, you can look at things like the kind of creative industries, offshore renewable energy I, I mentioned before. So you can see impact both at the level of sectors and then at the level of, of, of companies. And for anybody who's, who might be listening who wants to, to get into more detail, we, we've done this according to very well-respected economic metrics for analysis. We've published our methodology, it's treasury, uh, green book compliant. So we have we take a sample of similar companies who we haven't funded and we compare them with some with the companies who we have funded who've got the same kind of company demographics. And then we look at the rate at which the growth of the companies we have funded compares with the ones whom we haven't, where they look similar in similar markets. And and that's how we know that we've added that value. It wouldn't have happened anyway. Fantastic. Well Listen, there's an awful lot going on at Innovate UK. We've come to the end of our time today. But Paul Mason, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been a joy to speak to you. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Paul Mason, Director of Innovation Policy at Innovate UK. Details of the work of the Foundation for Science and Technology, including all our events, our blogs, journals, and all previous editions of this podcast can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. Until the next time, goodbye.